Ladies and gentlemen, my guest tonight, I am so excited. I've been dreaming about him for like months and I finally booked him. And you guys know this is a, a comedy show and I finally get a comedian on. That's another thing too. I'm really dragging this on. I got to bring him in. Folks, please welcome the funny, the great, the genius, the long haired, the big beard, the big uh, heart. Terry Sachs. <laughs> thank you. That was the longest. And thank you for reading that intro exactly as I wrote it for you. <laughs> <laughs> that was the longest intro I have ever had for a guest. I think I, I think we're out of time. Uh, we gotta... <laughs> it's been fun though. Thanks. Yeah, thank, and goodbye, Terry, bro. Um, this is pretty cool. I mean, you know, we message each other stupid messages back and forth, jokingly. Oh. We save the good wow. for each other, though. Oh, right. Don't we don't message all the time, but when we do, it's it's, it's a like, cherry. Yeah, I'm throwing you like jokes, these bits, and you're the only one other than Fish, which you know Fish too. Oh yeah. I actually wish you pretended you didn't know him. That would have been better. Oh, I thought you just meant like the animal. Yes, I know. Yeah. In general, I know Fish. I know the dolphins are not those. By the yeah. way, learning that. You you could have said I know, I know the band Fish. Uh, the musician fish that's they can uh, play instruments they can they can they can I'm do anything way behind dude i don't know how to zoom i don't know the fish are out there <laughs> playing instruments and have a following no less yeah folks well let me explain this uh, uh terry does not know how to zoom and he was trying to figure it out and i'm like dude just click on the link and i will take you there <laughs> i said it with that voice too like i will take you there <laughs> So, okay, so the first time uh, we were on the air together, it was the Fish and Wally show, remember? I don't know, it's been yeah. a long time. I said right over in Eastie, yeah, in East yeah. Austin, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, Sorry, I don't know your lingo these days. Okay, it's, so that's where Fish lived then, not where yeah. you live. Yeah, that's, okay. yeah. Well, no, yeah, well, he was my roommate, so we both lived there. Okay, and you yeah. just don't remember where I was? <laughs> <laughs> Driver, yeah. take me to, I don't know, where do I look like I live? <laughs> <laughs> Just take me where fish lives. But yeah, so we were doing the Fish and Wally show, uh, which was a big hit. I don't know how we got 12,000 listeners, by the way. That was amazing. Because you guys are kick-ass hosts, man. You're yeah. a great host, dude. Yeah, but think about this too, right? It was a time where podcasts weren't even podcasts yet. No one did a podcast. Very few people did it. So yeah. we, were, we were like the pioneers of podcasts, you know? I said, Fish, you know what? Let's just do a podcast. And he's like, what's that? I said, I don't know. You figure it out. And then we did. <laughs> this story is horrible. Thank God you were there to guide him along this path. <laughs> yeah. But and then we had friends on, you know, we were drinking. I remember you came in with a brick red, red brick beer uh, from brick Red. Yeah. No, no, no. I couldn't have had a brick red because they only had it on tap then. Oh, that's right. You said that was your favorite. I was, I was talking about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah Good yeah. memory, bro. Because we were both drinking whiskey. See, I showed that, up and I, I was like, what are you guys drinking? And you're like, this is just Coke. <laughs> and then out came like a bottle of whiskey and you emptied half of it, half of it into there. And I was like, oh, may I? Yes, you may. And it was like a 32 ounce cup yeah. filled with ice and Coke and whiskey. And by Coca-Cola, not uh, just to let the, you know, in case the. Uh... No, cocaine. Yeah. Oh, we got okay. crazy that night, yeah, dude. Well, yeah, dude. I mean, whiskey and, and cocaine in the same glass. First of all, I never rolled like that. 
<laughs> it's been a while, man, and and I'm so excited. And here's the thing: yeah, we could always catch up instantly, no matter what. And I've always looked at you as one of the funniest people that I know. And sometimes, you know, it could be Thanks, intimidating, you know, because uh, I always look at myself as a funny person. But when you surround right. yourself with other funny people, you're just like, oh, God damn, I got to step up, you know? Well, don't look at it like that, dude. You've got your style and I've got my style. I, I know what you're talking about, though. One of my buddies is like one of the funniest people I know. And sometimes I feel like he kind of zaps my energy. And I don't know. He's very on sometimes, you know, and that's just his that's just his personality. Um, yeah, but I get what you're saying, man. But it's uh, well, first of all, thank you for the compliment. I appreciate that. But you're a hilarious dude. You're funnier than me. And I'll tell you why, because you can make sports references and music references. Those are two things I just I can't do. And I'm in awe of your knowledge. Well, I could also make references of rats. Roaches. I know a ton about rats, dude. So like that wouldn't, if you're trying to like make a reference that I won't hop on board with, pun intended, right? Because rats, uh, anyway, <laughs> it was a sailor's joke. Uh, sorry, we, we couldn't afford the applause button today. So uh, we're just, you're just going to have to take my word for it. People are laughing and clapping. I've been doing comedy for a long time, dude. I'm used to no one laughing at my shit. And that sounds ridiculous, that's, but that's the most true thing any comedian will tell and, you. And that's when you know you're good. When no yeah. one's laughing. Well, uh, no. <laughs> That's when you know that you hit rock bottom, but you're still willing to continue. <laughs> so, I, you know, we're going to talk about the phases of being a comedian because that intrigues me the most, you know. But um, first off, I want to I want to ask you, man, uh, we just went through uh, Memorial Day, but I know you were in the Army, right? Yeah. You must have obviously had a sense of humor to through the whole situation and what was your process through the army and comedy? How do you connect those two? Well, that's an interesting question, man. I don't know if I had ever, I don't know if you could draw a straight line between sure. the two. It's all just part of what it is. So I, I've always been a goof. I'm the youngest of six kids. So, you know, everyone needs attention. Thank God I'm not the Raphael. I'm the Michelangelo, right? I'm the funny guy. So being funny has always kind of like come naturally to me. And I love making jokes. I had a great time in the army. Being a smartass, dude, in basic training, being a smartass does not serve you well. But I have the, the right attitude for it. So yeah. second or third day at basic training, at basic training, dude, I'm fucking, I'm 20 years old. And at chow, at lunch, I walk up to the table of drill sergeants. And first of all, they see me approach and laser beam me with eyes that say, why are you coming here? And I step up to them. I got my tray of empty food. And I said, drill, drill sergeants, I, I'm Private Sachs. I just want to introduce myself. And uh, I came here to get fucked up. And they looked at each other, looked at me, looked at each other, and said, we'll get back to you, Private. You enjoy the rest of your day. And dude, when he said that, I knew that I would never enjoy a day again while I was there. Well, also... And Maybe like he's laughing inside, but he can't show it to you. You know what I mean? Like, dude, drill sergeants say the funniest shit in the world. You and they keep a straight face, man. And it's mm -hmm. that's the best part of it. I had a great time in basic, dude. Millions of people have done it before you. Do your hardest or work your hardest, do your best, fucking give it your all. But man, stop and make fun of shit sometimes. Yeah, because there's no possible way to survive that without humor. No. Of course not. And alcohol. Dude, oh, here's, here's an army story for you, dude. Check this out. So one night, we're doing toe the line, right? 
doing the body count and body count, doing the head count at night. Having <laughs> <laughs> much? I'm doing the total line. And one of the drill sergeants, and the way that the bay was, you know how it is. Like, there's a long barracks. You got lines of dudes down one side, lines of people down the other side, right? Our bunks worked. I just happened to have the bunk closest to the entrance of the bay where the drill sergeants would come in. And so we're doing total line. And drill sergeants yelling at us, telling us we're dumb pieces of shit, you know, the count off, whatever. One yeah. of them gets like a, a nudge from outside. So he like takes six steps to the side to like address whoever's at the door, right? He's gone right. for a couple seconds. I take this opportunity to march forward, right? I snap to attention. I march forward three steps. I make a left face and I fucking moon the whole bay. I, I bend down, I do a super <laughs> military style. It's great. They see my ass and balls. It's wonderful. And then I pull my pants up. I make a left face. I march back, make an about face, and I'm at toe the line by the time the drill sergeant comes back into the bay. And everyone's fucking losing their shit. And he comes in and he smokes us until anyone tells him what happened, which no one did, thank God. After uh, the Army, you know, you decided to pursue comedy immediately, or did you... Well, I, I was into comedy right before, you know, before the Army. Yeah. Yeah, comedy just, it's a thing I've always been drawn to. So I was doing it before and I couldn't wait to do it again until I got out. And man, I knew that I was getting a ton of material from yeah. the military. But I, what, what I mean, though, is that, you know, when you decided to do stand up comedy, you were thinking, all right, I got I got to get on stage. You know, OK, so the first time I ever did stand up was actually at my uh, senior year talent show. You know, I'd always like made jokes and shit, but like stand up. Because at that time, like, I was 18 in high school, and I wanted to be an actor, right? Yeah. I wanted to be the next Jim Carrey, right? Because I was a goofy guy, class clown, class clown sort of kid. But, like, I'd never done stand-up, never really thought about it. And I remember seeing this bit of Brian Regan. And, dude, <laughs> he was talking about how, like, lazy, wow, have, like, peanut butter and jelly in the same jar. It was like, you throw some <laughs> croutons in there. I don't want to mess up his joke, and I just did. But it's I a know. great joke. And then uh, the talent show came around, and in ninth grade, me and my buddies did this dance to Aretha Franklin's Respect, like me and my two best friends. And it was, like, hilarious. Like, we had jeans you, and, like, leather jackets. How do you that, by the way? The R-E-S-P-C-T. I wish someone – I'm a phonetic learner, so if someone had maybe sang it to me, it really would have stuck. Yeah, but I, wasn't I feel so the same way. I feel the same yeah. way. Uh, yeah, so in ninth grade, we all did that together, right? And then, like, come senior year. Like my buddy James is in a band and my buddy Jordan is going to play his bass. And, you know, they're both really good musicians. And I'm thinking, well, what, I don't want to be left out. What am I going to do? I was like, oh, I'll do stand up, you know, and I'll, I'll do stand up. Yeah, sure. And so when I go to audition, I go in front of the student council and we knew each other. They know I'm a funny dude. And like, I just did Brian Regan's act and like blew it. Yeah. Blew it. It you was not it? funny. <laughs> Uh, dude, they didn't laugh and I didn't want them to laugh because it wasn't good enough. And it was so terrible, dude. And then I stopped halfway through. I'm like, well, I'll, I'll change it. It'll be different. I swear. I'll, I'll, make, I'll make new jokes. And they're like, okay. And then the week went by and I sweated my balls off. And then uh, they put up the list of, you know, who's going to be in the talent show. And I said, Terry Sachs, stand-up comedy. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, done. And I made a decision at that moment to never again use another comics material. I That's wondered. not going to be my wow. I'm only going to do my own jokes. And then I made a bunch of jokes about like getting called to the office and like making fun of people in neck braces, like dropping change in front of them. Uh, stupid high school stuff, dude. It was ridiculous. But it went like really well, man. And like my first crowd that I ever performed for was like 
450 kids that I went to school with. And it was like a lot of pressure, but it went really well. You know, things like that, I I look back because I know in high school for me, I was an outsider because I always felt like an artist. I don't know. I just didn't feel like I was accepted or something. It was such a weird time, you know, and, and high school is always weird anyway for kids. Of course. But, There's no way for it not to be, dude. You don't know anything when you're that age. Exactly. But, you know, and the fact that you did that, though, that to me just tells me, man, if I can go back in time, I would actually do stuff like that, you know? Well, to this day, man, to this day, dude, like performing, live performance to me, and, and I enjoy theater, too. Well, like, I haven't done it since high school, right? But I, I really enjoyed theater, and I, I was good at it, right? Well, no, I was okay. I enjoyed it. I should say that. <laughs> I wasn't good at it, but I enjoyed it. And I knew how to project. How about that? I'm glad, but, you, um, I'm glad you don't do uh, reviews, you know, where you go to like a restaurant. <laughs> this place is amazing. This place is amazing. I think the food is great. The fondue is great. You know what? No, I think it's okay. That's actually, okay. I took another bite. It it's changed okay. my mind. Yeah. It's, <laughs> Two it's, bites ago, this is the best restaurant in town. Smaller be- portions. <laughs> <laughs> People would read it and be like, wait a minute, he started off really confident about this place. But yeah, it's still five stars. <laughs> so we should get the filet mignon, but not eat it, right? Yeah. Order it, but don't cut into it. <laughs> Only eat the coleslaw that comes on the side, because you know that there's a five-star restaurant serving coleslaw right now. But uh, all right, so yeah, you obviously performed at an early age, but to like master the craft or you know to get your craft right to feel really confident, I mean that takes time. And what I hear is you know it takes five years to get good, and another five years to get start to get noticed if you put in the work, you know. Well, again, for thank you for that compliment, but I do not deserve it. I I do not in any way, shape, or form, consider myself to be okay, a master I'll take, I'll of crap. It it's just a thing that I love. I'll take it back. It's fine. I'm sorry. I'll just <laughs> yeah, I'll take it back. In fact, hey, I'll, you, just, you just tone down those compliments, listen, please. You're making I'll me let, uncomfortable. Molly. I'll, let, I'll let you know this is my show and I could edit that out. I have so much power. <laughs> I will say you're so good. I will say you're so good. And that's it. Because <laughs> it's my show. Well, thank you. Well, well, I'll tell you, man. And what the reason I say that is like from the first time I started doing it at, at this club, you know, in West Valley, Utah, wise guys um, at a, like a real club going in and open mics and stuff from that time to now to the last time I performed, like it scares the shit out of me every time. Dude, my stomach hurts. I feel like I'm going to puke and I'm trying I'm trying desperately to think of anything that I can use as an excuse to not do it. Yeah. And and then I'm so nervous. And right before they call my name, I'm like, this is not for me. I don't know. I'm out of here. And then they call my name and I walk up on stage. I guess I have to. And as soon as I grab the mic, man, it's like chill. It's all good. I say something stupid that's ridiculous because I feel uncomfortable. And it, that's what starts the show. and Or not starts the show, but starts my set. And sometimes that's great. And sometimes it's not. You know how it is, dude. You know how it is performing. I was going to say, well, you're very cocky. That's And that's when the show starts, when I'm on. When I tell a joke that sucks, dude, that's the worst feeling in the world. Even if you just told a great joke. And then once you tell a shitty joke, and you're like, oh, well, let's see if I like this next one. And you tell another shitty joke. And it's like, oh, my God. It's a, it's a very slippery slope, man. 50% of the time, I crush it. 50% of the time, people can't wait for me to be finished. Well, here's, here's the thing, man. 
obviously I'm more musician than anything, but or a storyteller, really. That's my true true strength is storytelling. And I know that I could be in a band, I could be in this part, I could do, you know, improv, which I think I would I love improv so much. But stand-up comedy to me is the hardest thing in the world because you are out there by yourself. There is no team. And if you bomb, it it could tear you apart for like days, maybe longer. Years, bro. Years, yeah. <laughs> I can think of specific sets I've done in the past that I have, dude, this one Friday night at Wise Guys, honestly, like 14 years ago, was like one of the worst nights of comedy I've had. And it was totally my fault. I was off. I was not good. And Did it, you it hear happened. That, by the way, did you hear that? What? That sound? Those crickets? No. <laughs> No, I guess I hear that constantly. I used to think it was tinnitus. Now it's just the (laughs) failure of my jokes. (laughs) No, I hear that. uh, I I just heard like that mail sound, you know, when you get mail. You mean like email? Like ding, ding. Yeah. yeah. You didn't hear it? No. Are you expecting a parcel? (laughs) Yes, I am. (laughs) Well, I don't mean to disturb you. Okay. Give me a second. I just want to read it. Probably from a fan. Um, you got an email? Oh, an actual email? You have Terry Sachs on, and I'm a big fan. Uh, Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> right there, I knew you were lying, dude. No one, first of all, no one would admit to being a fan of mine. Second of all. <laughs> and also, this is not that person live. Doesn't even, do, even anonymously, they wouldn't do it. Oh, and this is not live. You told me about the <laughs> I'm from the future. Only Terry's jokes can save me. <laughs> I will send him a, uh, an email. Uh, <laughs> it's imperative um, that he not blow his next set. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you are right. And, you know, it can be devastating. But here's the best part. My favorite <laughs> thing is that when I watch a documentary about a comedian or someone, I get inspired again. I'm like, you know what? You just got to keep trying. Because what else are you going to do? You know, you won't be happy unless you keep trying. Right? I get into deep funks when I don't do comedy for a long time. And I gotta, t- I gotta tell you, man, the last, the last couple of years, I've been really far away from it. I haven't performed a lot in the last few years since I left Boston, really. So I get cranky. Do you think about going back? For sure. I, I mean, I've been doing, I've been occupying myself with like, I've been writing more, but it, that's not the same. No, you gotta you get know. up on stage, man. That's who you are. You yeah, need, agreed. You need a stage. Yeah, yeah. I'm, and I miss it, and I miss it when I'm away from it. Your heroes. Who, who are your favorite comedians? Oh, Brian Regan, dude. At my job, I met him one time. Like, we're boarding, and I looked at the manifesto, like, no way. No, not Brian Regan. Not the Brian Regan. And I peeked out from where I was at, <laughs> and I uh, and I just saw the back of his head. And I was like, that is 100% Brian Regan. And I lost it, dude. I got so giddy and starstruck. It was, I, was, uh, I turned into a huge, squiggly nerd. And, like, I wrote him this three-page letter talking about the peanut butter and jelly thing and how I failed. And he's like the reason I got into comedy and like, he's the reason I don't steal people's jokes. And like, he's great. And like, if he wants to take a picture with me, I would be honored. But if not, I'm just stoked to have him on the plane. Sincerely, Terry Sachs. He told the flight attendant to like, come get me and take him up to the front. And he like shook my hand and like took a picture with me. He shook my hand three times, dude. And he's a really nice guy. I have not to this day, uh, yeah. to this day. Yes. 
It's got a glove on it right now. The glove doesn't touch the skin. Yeah. It only touched my wrist. I like it's like a locket yeah. that I put over it. Yeah, it's like a it's like a safe uh, glove. It's like a capsule. It ca- yeah, it captures everything. There's <laughs> it's there's air conditioning there. Just it's like a David Duchovny's hand in Zoolander. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when he was a male model. <laughs> but it's my nasty hand with my rank hand with Brian Regan's fingerprints yeah. on my fingerprints. You have uh, Brian Regan's DNA in your fingerprints. So if anything happens. You could always say, uh, don't, don't say it like that, man, in case he's listening. And I'm sure he is probably. And he'll be like, this kid's weird. He, he's got my he's DNA. It was fine until he said DNA. Because now he's thinking, frame him for a crime. Maybe that's why I'm saving it. That's what I'd be thinking. If a fan came up to me and like held on to my fingerprints for years. Oh, dude, for sure. Anyway, <laughs> I think we got off track. Oh, but he signed my joke book and he signed it like, you know, peanut butter and jelly. It's like something cool. And then, uh, a couple weeks later, I was house sitting for some friends and I was doing some laundry and I open it up and it is my joke book that I'd left in my pocket and it had shredded. It had gone through the washer and now was in the dryer. And I opened it up like praying that the center was intact. And it was, dude. Wow. So I still have and I opened it like like an archaeologist <laughs> with papyrus, dude. That's amazing. I mean, to meet one of your heroes, you know, like, yeah, that, that's like, you know, and Jim Carrey, of course, dude, huge, especially growing up. Cause I grew up in the age of Carrey, man. Yeah. And he, he changed my life. Honestly, as a kid. Yeah, did you see a documentary of him? Uh, me and, and Andy, he got a camera crew to record behind the scenes of being Andy Kaufman. And he never like, he never got off character and it was yeah. amazing. I mean, and I don't know too much about Andy Coffin, but, you know, I, I know enough to understand that Jim Carrey's portrayal was truer than any human on the planet ever could have done. And, uh, you know, Patton Oswalt, as far as stand-up comedians uh, I go, I, lo- I love someone who can, just, like, tell a story that's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. And Mitch Hedberg is kind of the opposite. Quick little one-liners. Mm-hmm. Up there talking for 45 minutes and telling, like, 160 different jokes, dude. Like, such skill. His writing process is incredible. Was incredible. Yeah. Mitch Hedberg, man. One of the greats. Robin Williams is my favorite. And uh, he's just quick. And he was incredibly talented as an actor, too. Mm. I mean, he went to Juilliard, for God's sake. Robin Williams was a great man all around. I loved Richard Pryor because my favorite part about him was like his stories. Um, I mean, where he grew up with. I mean, he... He grew up at where his mom was a prostitute. You know, he, he has like all these stories and he could have easily become a drug addict and just like, fuck it, you know, but no, he. Why not become a comedian also? Going off track here. This is becoming more of a, a sad podcast. No, dude, I love, I love Dane Cook. I'll say that right now. I love Dane Cook. Yeah, me too. He's great. A lot a of lot comedians of don't like him. But here's the thing, though. A lot of people say. Ah, Dane Cook is cheesy, blah, blah, blah. But, dude, that guy sold out Madison Square Garden, all these big places. He brought a a different kind of energy to the stage, you know? Mm -hmm. And it wasn't wasn't Jim Carrey wacky, and it wasn't Robin Williams wacky, but it was, like, 1990s wacky. But he was a good storyteller, you know? He was a great storyteller, and he was goofy as fuck. And he had just that face that, like, could make really extreme facial expressions, and he used bombastic language, and... He like used different emphasis on, and people hated him for it because you know they didn't think of it. 
That's why comedians are bitter and bitter toward other comedians for the most part, I think. Yeah. It's like the envy of success. Yeah, you're right. My favorite joke from him, and I may ruin it. You know, you always ruin it unless you're doing it, unless you're that comedian. Hey, your shitty homage. (laughs) And fuck this joke up, Wally. (laughs) Oh, get ready. Uh, But he was like, uh, he was talking about, oh, you know, um, first time he saw his his dad's dick. Like, you know, they were like in the bathroom or something, taking a piss, and he saw his dad's dick. And he noticed that his dad noticed that he was looking at it and he, and he told him one day this will all be yours as if <laughs> I mean, it's like it's tradition to his family or something. <laughs> uh, just shit like that. Like he's such a good he, he is a good storyteller. And yeah. uh, he's a great comic, man. Yeah, he is. And you know what? I have a story about seeing my dad's dick. That's funny. Right. And I'd love to tell it on Me stage, too. but I don't want to be. I, I'm sure you do. That's what I'm saying, man. Like. When when comedians give other comedians shit for like, it's it's one thing if you're clearly being a hack. If your entire set this year is about COVID, like get over it, dude. Like do some different shit. But like we all come up with funny things that are the same thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's hard for comedians to be completely original on that in a sense. You know, what I mean, I'm not saying that excuses people from not being original because that should be the goal. Yeah. You should be hilarious. You should have a style. You should be original. You should never steal another comedian's joke. And you should steer clear if you know that you might be telling a joke that someone else has a joke is very similar to. I've noticed this, too, because uh, I've always had, like, a certain uh, idea for a joke. And then when I hear a comedian talking about that certain subject, I think that person thought the same thing I was thinking. So yeah. it's, it's so, so the part of whole- And it almost kills the humor for you because like man that's my joke and he's a million people are laughing right now well he does because he's telling it he polished it he i mean he made it like really great of course yeah yeah exactly but he put in the work and i didn't that's the difference you know like i think okay i think i I think a lot of people have the same idea in terms of comedy Mm -hmm. of of a subject or something but other people just work harder at it and they fucking deserve that you know what i mean like they deserve to A, a couple of years ago, man, I, I wrote this story uh, about vampires, like young vampires. This is like in 2008. And I wrote this like 35-page story about vampires. And I gave it to this girl to, to impress her, right? And, yeah, and that's what just, you should give a girl to impress uh, vampires. Bro, I'll go to no lengths Wait, to impress you, chicks. Yeah. Did you, were you thinking like, uh, what's, what's, what's that movie with vampires? Or there's, there's no limit to the lengths. That's what I meant. So, okay. I want to hear what happened. <laughs> so, and then, uh, and, I, and she worked at the same place I did at this restaurant. And then I was talking to this other girl. She's like, yeah, Megan told me about that story you wrote her. It's just like Twilight. And I was like, what the fuck is Twilight? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, you don't know about Twilight? I'm like, no, what's, what's that? And she literally, dude, literally goes to like her purse and like pulls out. The DVD. Twilight, <laughs> no. <laughs> this is when they were still just books and the world was right uh, like, <laughs> she pulls out this book and i was like and i read like six pages of it and i was like god damn it because my thing was like is a teenage vampire he didn't want to kill like people so he killed animals he lived in the woods and like oh man but in my thing at the end she killed him because she realized he's a vampire and he's a bad person and he had this bad friend who was like the antagonist and he's like, I'm going to eat your girlfriend. And <laughs> Anyway, my point is 
I spent having no idea what Twilight was. I wrote Twilight. She put in the work, so she deserves credit for my glittery vampires. <laughs> Kidding. They weren't glittery. But, uh, <laughs> it's funny you, you, you refer to her in a first name basis, Stephanie. Yeah, she and I. <laughs> We used we used to hang out all the time until she stole my fucking vampire story. I'm kidding. Obviously, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Please don't sue me. Yeah, I've never I was met just her. Say it. Don't worry. You're not going to be sued. So you will though. It's only costing you five grand. Uh, I'm going to disappear after this, dude. I'm gonna vanish. This is a burner phone. I'm out of here. You don't. You know when I when I last saw you, you had short hair. You mm. looked like you just got out the military. Now you look like a, a part of the uh, the Manson family or something. You know, like you're ready to kill people. And thank you so much for and, those kind words. And I'm thinking, oh, this is the look of he's gonna kill it in comedy now. That's that's what he's trying to do. He's gonna kill it in comedy, bro. If only I could get you to do every introduction for me, like for my shows. Man, people be prepared for what they're going to get. You know, I've always just wanted to be a <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please be careful. <laughs> Keep your eyes on your belongings. <laughs> Find the nearest exit. Here's your next comedian. If you want to don't, if you want to leave, that's fine. We get it. We totally get it. We're going to give you a few moments to decide. Here's the first comedian that you can honestly get your refund back. Uh, <laughs> we expect that. Because he's that dangerous. Uh, welcome. Terry that Sack. comedian was so dangerous. I want a refund. Yo, if someone demanded a refund because I was too dangerous, that'd be rad. <laughs> <laughs> like, I want to ask people, what was it about Terry Sachs that? It was fine you? until the host started introducing him. <laughs> we saw him backstage. He seemed like a very friendly fellow. He, he shook our hands, took pictures. <laughs> But then uh, the uh, introducer just really ruined it for us. I'll come out, but ladies and gentlemen, uh, I should warn you about this comedian coming on. He's Batman. <laughs> He's like Val Kilmore because he has long hair. He's like, this has become very seductive. <laughs> You're breathing very heavily, and it's kind of working. Like, just ease down, bro. I'm just a man. I don't know what I was doing there. Um, <laughs> I should start asking you questions again. <laughs> I really do like your intros, though. Yeah. This is the podcast for me where I literally had no idea where I was going to go and everything to be in my head was going to be improvised. You and I are just like naturally good at just chatting. We don't give a shit, you know? No, you and I, bro, Wally, you and I are kindred spirits, man. And I think we knew that as soon as we started working together. We just got along really well. And then yeah. the more we get to know, more we got to know each other, the more we realized we actually had in common, man. Yeah. Like you're a former military guy. You're an artist. You're a performer, right? I, you know what? I do want to put that out. Uh, I don't consider myself military because, and I will make this brief and I only tell the story to certain people, but it was dishonorably discharged and it was brief, way too brief then for what I wanted to be. There is a regret in there, but. I can't consider myself military because I don't have the honor of it behind it. So all I'm going to say about that is so that people could just stop writing me letters and threats with, um, and then people are sending me letters inside an envelope. There's like the little military toy figures. You mean like the army men? Yes, sure. Mr. Fancy guy. Uh, Mr. <laughs> I am so smart. <laughs> you get letters with, Little army men, yeah, thanking you for your service. 
<laughs> Here's my favorite toy. <laughs> you should be grateful. You should write letters back. You'll be like, you know what? You keep this, army man. It's the guy with the grenade, by the way. Yeah. I Which was... is the cool one. He doesn't have a gun. He's It's the last hope. He's just like, all he has is the explosive. <laughs> like the single I love, use. <laughs> I love the guy. My favorite one is the one with the with the radio. Like, you know, like he's just... Oh, worthless. He's just calling in for help. Yeah, we call him bait. <laughs> that's my favorite one out of all the army men. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's just, just, that's just my thing, you know. Well, I'm sure you know that you're probably the hardest person on yourself, so... I don't really get hard when I'm in front of a mirror, so I can't be the hardest person on myself. But you've never had a boner in the mirror? No, I never had a boner in the mirror, so I can't be the hardest person on myself. No one's ever laid on you with a boner? I'm sorry. See, you got me asking weird questions now. Well, technically, if you're laying down on your back, at some point, you're hard on yourself if you have a boner. I'm just saying, logically, you can be hard on yourself. That is true. Using just a boner. Yeah, and, uh, you know, when you're laying... On the bed, your weight is at you know minimum capacity to your own body, but therefore your boner is like the heaviest thing if it's a record. There is so much wrong with what you just said. <laughs> and I think but I, I love lo- it. I think I've lost all my listeners now. <laughs> uh, they're gonna they're going to like all right. I think Howard Stern is on. Let's put that on. <laughs> How's it been for you now? You know, like uh, you're not doing stand up. Obviously, it has to be driving you nuts. And I'm hoping you get like a surge and you're thinking, you know what? Fuck it. Comedy clubs are opening up again. Let me try to do stuff. I hope that's your process. Well, and I don't mean to make it sound like I just haven't had opportunities to do something because that's that would be bullshit. I've I've just kind of fallen away from it over the last couple of years due to my own, you know, lack of perseverance. Like I said, man, I've I've been at it lately a little bit. I went and performed once with the with like the masks and I didn't like it, man. It was rough. Um, Oh, yeah. No, just like that. People were spread out and like it's kind of like muffled laughter and everyone's making nothing but COVID jokes. I didn't tell any COVID jokes, but the first thing I did on stage is I like sanitized the microphone and then like the floor and then the microphone cable and then like the table in front of me where someone was sitting and then like one spot on the wall where later during my set, I like leaned and like put my hand on the sanitized spot on the wall. Like that's all I did in (laughs) reference to COVID. Other than that, I just told regular jokes. It was a good bit, but like, but it wasn't I, I, words about COVID. That's what it was. That's what you're saying. It wasn't yeah, like, words, yeah. Which, and I didn't even really think about it, but like, you know, yeah. maybe I could have done some more mimery because like, you know, when I started talking, like the mask on and like my shit's muffled and people make it work, man. There are a ton of people who are fucking hilarious now. Still always hilarious. Comedy is always, comedy is always, there's always going to be good comics and bad comics. You know, yeah. there's always going to be hack comics and original comics. And, like, there's always going to be people who find a way. I mean, there are a couple of people who are doing hilarious jokes and doing it with the mask. And, like, it's always possible to be funny. It's always possible to make it work. And, they're, and the people who are d- doing it and putting in the work, those are the people who are making it, you know? I remember, I remember the time I – the first time I saw you was at the uh, – it was a benefit for the soldiers uh, in Boston. And, oh yeah, and, for the uh, for the for the BFW man. Yeah, and it was that was a great show. It was dude. so good. It was so fucking good. And my favorite joke was well, I'm not gonna tell it, but 
you know, I'm going to say what you did, which was you showed your tattoo. Of- Dude, <laughs> that joke, man. That joke and have that tattoo as like a statement to it. It's like you can't tell that joke if you don't have that tattoo. Well, well, okay. Well, let's let's let the audience in on what's happening right now. True. So the joke that Wally's talking about, it's corny as wow. So the joke is basically, oh, I was on my way in here, and you know, this guy drew a gun on me, and you know, I'm confident, I'm trained in the military, I don't, you know, I'm not going to be afraid. But I did start laughing hysterically because I mean, look where he drew it. And then I lift up my shirt, and there's a gun drawn on my stomach in marker. (laughs) It's not a tattoo. It's just dedicated i just ruined a hundred shirts doing this joke and that's the joke i love that joke it just <laughs> but that's it and it's cheesy but dude a bunch of vietnam vets love that shit because that's not what you're expecting someone to do also also you ever think that maybe you could have other jokes around that tattoo well, it's not a tattoo <laughs> are you serious that would be dead no of course i'm serious you should ask if I'm serious if I, if I said it is a tattoo. I'm oh. not going to get a tattoo. Dude, that drawing was huge. I thought that <laughs> it was, was like, a fucking like tattoo. There's like an M16 that went from like rib to rib, dude. <laughs> I swear to God, I thought that was a tattoo. <laughs> no. And I lifted up my shirt. You can see where like the marker had like rubbed off on it. I can't believe it took me this long to realize that that's not a real tattoo. I can't believe you wouldn't have said to me, you let you paid for that t- shitty tattoo because it was not. A, I'm not an artist, man. I know, but I <laughs> it thought, was not a well drawn. See, I, I was in the back, though. You know, that, right? I wasn't. I wasn't like up front in the tables. I was like, just, oh, you just saw me lift up the shirt from the back. You didn't even see was, that it was drawn. No, I saw the the gun. To me, I, for my distance, I, I mean, it could have been real. It could have been fake, but to me, it was real. <laughs> but yeah. Wow. But yeah, I swear to God, I thought honestly, all these years, like that's a real. Fucking I feel like if, if you had like a machine gun, a huge, like a twelve-inch machine gun tattoo on you, I would ask you so many more questions about well, it. Well, I also thought, look, he definitely loved the army. That's, <laughs> that's what I thought. Don't even get a tattoo that says army, just like gun. <laughs> this guy's patriotic. Looks like it's drawn by a six-year-old. <laughs> well, my son loves guns. Well, I'm glad I found out the truth about that because I would have imagined it would have been awesome if we go out and I'm like talking to these girls and I'm like, oh, you want to see a really great tattoo? And, then, and I call you over. Hey, Terry, come here. Come here. And then uh, show me your tattoo. And you're like, what? <laughs> show me your tattoo. Like, what are you talking about? It's on your stomach. Show me your tattoo. And there's literally nothing there. And I'm just looking like a fucking fool. <laughs> It'll be a drawing of a, like a flower that I made a joke about that day. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, stupid. Flowers aren't tough. And then they walk away. Neither are you. Get <laughs> out of here. Dude, yeah, I can't believe I totally missed that. Wow. That's <laughs> hilarious. Um, I want to talk about if you, were, if you weren't a comedian, what other job would you think you would do if you didn't do stand-up comedy? Well, well let me... Let me preface this by saying I don't make my living doing stand-up. It's, right. I know that. But, but um, writing, man, writing. I do love writing. I really do. You think it like Stand-up is great like- because it's in the moment and it's like immediate gratification and it's like there's nothing like it, man. It's such a rush. But when I really get into a flow with like a poem or a story or like 
a page or two. Man, I love that. I love creating words and like reading sentences back that I really, really enjoy. And my brother and I wrote um, screenplays for a couple of years. Yeah, we entered one into, um, into a, a, a film festival. And well, uh, we got second place, but it wasn't third. <laughs> so we're happy with it. we were the first place of the, all the losers we were the first place of second runners yeah yeah <laughs> we we, t- we touched the the tape as it broke after the winter passed through it grazed our fingertips yes we were the first when uh to step on the road when they paved it what <laughs> I, was, I was buzz aldrin wait no he was the first one that was neil armstrong never mind i got it right yeah, you got Nailed it. my reference. You were Buzz Aldrin to infinity and beyond. <laughs> oh, that's the wrong buzz. <laughs> There's only one buzz, and it's Lightyear. I have a question. If you had to run a convenience store, what would you call it? It wouldn't be a convenience store. It'd be a bar, and I'd call it Tetanus, and we'd only serve shots. Ooh. That's not a new joke, but it's a good joke. It's an original joke. Damn it. Now <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get sued. It's my joke. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, it's my joke for sure. No, if I ran a convenience store, I would only sell shit that no one ever fucking needs. Like I would sell tape, but it would all be two-sided tape. Or what if what if you had like a store where everything's expired and you just call it yesterday? <laughs> you should have come yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Better never than late. <laughs> yes. Past two. Past two. Past two. When you kill it on stage, do you say, well, I was in the army. And also, when you bomb on stage, you say, well, I was in the army. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like that's, I wrote this one for that you. That was good. That was good. Yes. <laughs> I accept that. Like, I realized that, you know, you and I, you know, we have similar uh, styles in comedy. I have like a no filter, silly kind of, you know, sense of humor and you get laughs. So <laughs> sometimes 50 <laughs> 50, so, dude, it's exact. So if, I'm hoping to get that 51% <laughs> so I can own the company of myself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like stocks. Yeah. Like shareholders, pretty much. It's bas- it's basically for the battle of self-respect. You just want shareholders of yourself. I just have to tip that scale one percent, and I'll be good. One percent. Yeah. One other person laughing. But if you could give me advice on comedy, how to be comedy, how to be funny, not how to be comedy, <laughs> then you to be break- comedy, you must know comedy. <laughs> <laughs> or you could do a Yoda voice, like to do comedy. Yeah, well. I'm not sure. I'm not a comedian. <laughs> that was the best drunk Homer Simpson I've ever heard. <laughs> I was trying to know that. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I always like to go in the mirror and give myself like advice, but no. impersonations of others. So I'll be like, uh, good evening, Walter. Uh, my name is Barack Obama. And uh, I think you're great. Uh, I think I say you just keep it up. And, uh, <laughs> you know. Wait, that was that was Dwayne The Rock Johnson? Yeah, 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 that was Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Spot on, dude. He was in Hawaii, so it's like a Hawaii accent. Um, yeah, yeah I, I picked that up. Yeah. <laughs> With all the extra Ks. <laughs> when you're in front of a mirror, do you feel you're so comfortable in front of a mirror because 
you have to let out stuff because you know you have this like gift for entertaining and you have to try it out in front of a mirror because you have to prove it to yourself there's something there do you ever feel that um you asked a lot of questions this there and i just mean that um this is a podcast interview no 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 i i mean that uh, they're good um there are a lot of answers to that question. That's what I should say. That's true. Um, sometimes I do find, first of all, I talk to myself constantly. It's like a thing. I, I have conversations with myself. When I have a question, I'll ask me and I'll answer it and I'll argue with me sometimes. And sometimes I win, sometimes I lose. It's a thing. But um, I do rehearse sometimes in the mirror just to make sure that I'm getting the right, I don't know, if I'm telling a, like a facial expression-y joke, I want to know what I'm doing that's that's working, but not often. I don't, I don't really rehearse in the mirror a lot. When I'm looking in the mirror, I'm usually like talking shit about myself. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I, I usually rehearse like when I'm walking and I'm like looking at nothing, pretending that I'm looking at a crowd. And when I'm looking at a crowd, I'm trying to pretend that I'm looking at nothing, but I can't stop thinking about the fact that there's a crowd right there. And then it makes me try to harder to think that I'm. And then I'm like, oh shit, I am here in front of the crowd, and that fucks me up. Oh, which which is kind of funny because like when I go out <clears throat> to a bar and I see a beautiful girl, I decided to go take a piss, but I want to just do the mirror thing after. Pretend I'm washing my hands, make sure everyone leaves. I'll go in the mirror and I'll say, I'll say, you're ugly and nobody likes you. Now smile, oh. you big douche. And then I go back out there. Like I need that like negative, like positive oh. reinforcement, you know, like motivation. You should change that tradition. To? To look in the mirror and be like, yo, you lured this girl here. You have every opportunity of uh, fucking this up later, but don't do it now. <laughs> I see pride. I see power. I see a badass mother who don't take nothing up of nobody. Tell me you got that reference, bro. Yeah, of course. It's, it's from um, Twilight, right? Not all of my ideas are for Twilight. Just, I mean, most of them are, yes. Most of them are. That's cool runnings, man. Yes, I know that. I, of course. What's, uh, what's that saying they try to do in the beginning or before they go out? Uh, I never understood what they said, but how did he do? How about it? Hi. It's bobsled time. Yeah, it's bobsled time. That's <laughs> well, at, initially at the beginning of the movie, it's push cart time. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, no. From now on, I'm just going to go in the mirror and be like, it's bobsled time. <laughs> and I'll walk in right after and say, it's push cart time. That was actually one of my childhood dreams was to have uh, not a push cart, but a, a, a go kart. Oh, everyone's dream was to have a go kart, man. How cool. Is As that? a boy, you want a sword and you want a go kart yes. equally. Oh, I used to play. I don't know about you, but I used to do sword fighting with kids in the streets. Well, I made it sound way too cool. Uh, with, <laughs> I used to do sword <laughs> fighting with kids in the streets. Yeah. First of all, <laughs> you got clout. Yeah. <laughs> Back in the 13th century. Um, but we would like rip thick branches and we would like pretend these are swords and we would just like try to like, sword fight. That was like Dude, everything's thing. a sword. I know. Even I have a sword now. And yeah. as a grown ass man, will I ever use this sword? No. Am I a swordsman? No. Do I need this sword? Yes. I need the sword, dude. And I have it. So that part of me is complete. Something special about a sword, right? I mean, so it's so cool. This is why my favorite—it's a sharp stick of all time—is Braveheart. 
because William Wallace has his sword at six foot five. Six, Scottish Claymore. Was me, five meters. <laughs> was that Christopher Walken? <laughs> five meters. Uh, it's a long sword. I've never done Christopher Walken before. Uh, me neither, <laughs> but I will try it right now. Um, two little mice fell into a bowl of cream. One <laughs> mouse quickly gave up and drowned. The other one fought his way. Why do I sound like I'm like... Uh, sound like Cruella de Bill, dude. <laughs> no, I was thinking of like, uh, oh, darling, don't you stop. Don't stop that. Oh, Catherine Hepburn? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, darling. No, no, of course not. Okay. All right. <laughs> your Catherine Hepburn is pretty okay. good. <laughs> well, you're Christopher Walken? Mm-mm. Oh, bare minimum. I used to do this Arnold Schwarzenegger joke. And whenever I watch old videos of me doing stand-up, dude, it's so embarrassing, man. My jokes are so bad. Good at the time, but man, so bad. I had this Antonio Banderas uh, joke one time that I had just told the audience, like, hey, this joke is would be funnier if I could do this impression right, but I can't. So it won't be good, but that won't stop me from telling it. And then, like, I told the joke with the worst Antonio Banderas impression ever, and no one laughed. And I was like, yeah, I told you so. Like they had argued with me. <laughs> Here's my advice to you, man, for comedy. If you don't think it's funny, don't tell it. If you do think it's funny, don't let anyone tell you it's not. Believe in what you're saying. That's the key. If you think it's funny, the audience will usually think it's funny. A lot of times I get laughs. Dude, this is cheap. But sometimes, And I don't plan it. But like sometimes I do get laughs like after a failed joke. When I tell the audience, like, well, I... I, I I enjoyed that. Like, you know, sometimes failed jokes get laughs. And then people afterwards are like, well, after a little reflection, it was humorous. I'm not a racist, but I am sexist. And this is why I'm very hard on myself is because I hate guys. Hate myself because I'm a part of that genre. You're you're a part of the problem? Yeah, I'm a part of the problem. (laughs) This is, this is your U2 moment. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, uh, this is the first time doing this show where I'm stoned because I took edibles. Oh, that's different than being stoned, dude. No. What do you mean? That's, that's, it's, I mean, it's totally different. Like, if you smoke weed, you get stoned. But if you eat edibles, you get something totally different. You get pebbles. You ever thought that, like, rice... Why do we call it rice where you're not given one piece of rice? We should just call it rices because whenever we say rice, we're given a whole bowl of rice. We pluralize sense. shit too much and sense. not enough at the same time. Like so, like you like brains. Yeah. You say like, oh, my brains. I'm going to blow your brains out <laughs> after I finish these rices. Yeah. Like we just have the one brain. Maybe you it's like have- cheap restaurants and that when they're printing menus is they charge per letter. So if they put rices, they're like, that's an extra letter they're going to have to pay for. But like people know that rice comes in multiples. So like no one, no one's going to get served at rice. Terry, I got to I've kept you way too long and I've got to do a lot of editing because there's way too much (laughs) talking. of us. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, do me a favor. I'm going to ask you a very specific favor, man. Two things. Okay. Uh, First, I'm going to tell you. I've listened to every episode of your show. You're such a rad host, man. I'm so glad you had me on tonight. I'm very, very grateful. I'm honored. And listening to your interviews with all of your guests, 
I'm really surprised you wanted me on your show, man, because they're all like very successful people who have like done shit. And, you know, I'm just a funny guy that you know. So I appreciate you having me on the show. It, it really has been a treat. Um, that said, well, my can first I, can name. I, can I re, re, have a rebuttal? Rebuttal to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, None of my listeners have known what a failure sounds like, and I just needed to have one to start off. So, oh, you so, know what? Hand on my heart, man. I, so that means a lot to me. You I'm glad are, to be the yeah, example well, of. Well, you are 50% of a failure, and I love it. And uh, can't wait to your 50% success. Goes great. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I appreciate that. You said All right. for that. <laughs> so, two favors, two favors. Okay. These these are uh, non-negotiable. One one year from today, you have me on your podcast again. Uh, and two, this is gonna be rough for you. When you edit this, every time I curse, I want you to believe it. The first time you were on the show with me and Fish on the Fish and Wally show, um, you told us that you took away cursing that year. So that was 2012. Yeah, that was the year of no swearing. I thought. That was hilarious. This is the, the list of all the swears that I made that year. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Every time I swore, I'd, I'd mark it down. And that's them. Other than that, though, no swears. Just those, I don't know, 60 or 70 swears. Do you still do that? What is it this year that you have taken? No, no. I ended that. And uh, that's another you, project of mine. Because you realize that it sucks to lose something good. No, to not, to not just use. the opposite. Just the opposite. It's good. It's very helpful. You know, I don't know, to go without, I guess. I think. I think also. Uh, I thought about it after. I we'll thought, talk about that next year, by the way. Yeah. Okay. You're right. We'll save that one for next year. Uh, you know, we could talk for hours, but uh, the radio pirates have caught us, and uh, we have to caught you. I'm good. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna to, knock down your door. I have to throw all my goods out. From the, uh, As I told you, this is a burner phone, man. Once, once, once we hang up, I'm just gonna vanish. You're not gonna hear from me again until a year from today so or tomorrow. Are, so you are a bad man, dude. Say it slower. Yeah, you are <laughs> Batman. Which Batman though? Like, because Michael Keaton's like a cool one. He's like, I want you to tell your friends about me. Who are you? I'm Batman. Or what's his name? Uh, Christian Bale. Where are they? Yo, I, I will say this. I'll go on the record saying that I liked Christian Bale's Batman voice because it's a scary voice and Batman's not like, he's a vision. He's, he's your nightmares and he should have a nightmarish voice. And he should sound like Tom Waits, like clearing his throat. Well, he's psychotic, right? Batman should be a little bit psychotic, right? Because he- uh, maybe not psychotic. <laughs> okay, so here's what I He's think. He's got his shit together, dude. I think, he, I think he should be as equally as fucked up as the Joker is fucked up. But yet he chooses to fight crime. And well, he just has money, dude. That's the difference. That You're absolutely It's like, like Fifty Shades of Grey. The only reason that's not like a sex crime is because dude's a billionaire. Like okay. if a chick comes to my house and I give her like tetanus with my rusty furniture, okay. suddenly that's not okay. But if I have a bunch of money to, like, you know, take her to the hospital and get her better, then I'm a good guy. True. And she'll put up with it. Also, you just reminded me of my book. Uh, you were just talking about Fifty Shades of Grey. I'm coming out with a children's 
coloring book called 50 Shades of Crayons. Um, I think it's going to be a bestseller. I'm excited about it. And what, what kind of drawings are, are going to be inside this book? Just shades. Just shades of drawings. It should be a bunch of like pictures of crayons. Mm. And the kids just have to color the crayon just one color. Yeah, but they can't do it again to the, for the next one. Right? Yeah. Like the next page. Yes, can't do exactly. The, yeah. Every crayon has to be different. <laughs> well, well, and... And this There's going to be a lot of rules involved with your coloring and book. This, and this will be like a test, too, to see how dumb a kid is. If he goes only to five colors, five crayons, he can't think of another one for the next page. Then we know we have, we have an idiot of a son or something. Like that's, <laughs> what, that's what parents should think. They decide well, to test your kids. When your kids get to the age of, of the test, God help them. <laughs> All right. Just color them as many crayon colors as you provide. Yes. <laughs> you don't know how to make magenta, you little <laughs> rat tard. On that note, bro, thanks for being on my show. And I gotta tell you this before you go: you are one of my favorite human beings in this world. And I'm saying this is I'm not looking at you because I can't look into your blue piercing eyes, but. You are just amazing, and you're wrong when you're saying that you're different from my other guests. The reason why I've been doing this podcast is because I want to bring out the best in what I see in people, and you're fucking definitely one of my favorite people in this world. So trust me, you belong there. You belong. Well, even if I haven't enjoyed this, it it would have served as immense motivation. Yeah, and I may not release this episode, but you belong there. Um. <laughs> All right, Terry. Listen, thanks for being on, man. I'll talk to you soon, brother. The pleasure is all mine, Wally. I'll talk to you soon, man. All right. Have a good night, bro. Thank you.